1: You're listening to this week's free episode of How to Do It. Slate Plus members get another episode of this podcast every Monday, and that's where we chat about some of our juiciest letters. To hear those members-only episodes and get access to all of our How to Do It advice columns on Slate.com, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash h-t-d-i-p-l-u-s.
0: Warning, this podcast contains explicit language. Hi, I'm Stoya. I'm a writer and pornographer.
1: And I'm Rich Jezwiak. I'm a writer.
0: Welcome to the How to Do It podcast, where we try to help you with all of your sex and relationship issues twice a week. You can ask us anything about sex, or your bodies, or dating etiquette, or whatever. We're here to help. Wow, the world is different now because of social media.
1: It sure is. It's kind of hard to imagine what it was like before. I also think that nobody ever imagined the degree to which shaming and ostracization came to be such a part of people's lives. It's almost like woven into the fabric of our culture at this point.
0: Yeah, social pressure gets applied swiftly and vigorously. And sometimes it's over difference of opinion, perspective, or judgment, not over an ism or a bigotry.
1: It feels sometimes like a really toxic hobby because, like, a lot of these conversations go absolutely nowhere, people leave them unchanged. And yet there has been so much turmoil and strife in the process that it seems like only kind of the bad stuff is what actually got done. And yet, I mean, like implicit bias is one thing, but it'll be like somebody shares an opinion about a movie that's as simple as I didn't like that movie and people get all up in arms. And I think what you said about social pressure is interesting to think about because, you know, one of the things I love the most about being queer is that... Traditionally, nobody's been breathing down my neck, looking over my shoulder saying, you have to do this. You know, you have to get married and buy a house and have 2.5 children and blah, 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 blah. But I think social media has kind of amplified that voice to actually put that kind of pressure on people who might otherwise be immune to it, you know, in another quieter scenario. So, I don't know. I'm a big believer in meditation and quieting my head. I really, like, am always trying to get to the blankness of it all. And social media Mm -hmm. is actually antithetical to that. So, I feel like a passerby most of the time. If I'm scrolling Twitter for longer than five minutes, I say, oh, this is too long. Goodbye. I have to go do something else. Even if doing something else means putting on another screen and watching a TV show or a movie (laughs) or picking up a book, you know?
0: Yeah. The whole point of calling someone out it's like a tiny miniature intervention it's like hello i care about you as a human to some degree so i want to let you know that this is causing harm and i'm not okay with it and then you want you want to move through like ah that is harm oh that is my harm like through my actions oh, that sucks. Here's how I'm going like, to prevent it in the future. And that's the crucial thing. And that doesn't happen on social media. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: Like, the idea that someone says something that doesn't jibe with your experience exactly, that that should be upsetting, kind of boggles my mind because we have almost 8 billion perspectives here on Earth. That kind of clashing is inevitable. The best thing you can yeah. do is kind of... Deal with it and, and, and try to be less offended by the fact that somebody has another perspective that may be ignorant and not informed by the same things that yours has been. But that's life. That's sharing the earth, you know?
0: Yeah. So our first letter is actually not related to this at all, except <laughs> by the fact that on social media, whether that is Instagram or Grinder. You want to tag yourself so other people can find you more easily. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, you know, when we talk about self-labeling, there's obviously this philosophy that's very prominent that says, I don't believe in labels, etc. And that's good for you. But I think the other side of it is that labels are useful for other people. It's shorthand for explaining your life. Of course, a label isn't going to say everything about it, but uh, it may say something about it. So with, without further ado, let's get into that question.
3: Dear How to Do It, I am a married man in his 40s. Like a lot of people these days, I use porn for sexual discovery. I've never been into gay porn. Watching two men have sex one on one doesn't do anything for me. But I've discovered male, male, female bisexual threesomes to be mind blowingly hot. For some reason, watching two men have sex with each other while they also have sex with a woman definitely is exciting. I'm not at all bothered by this discovery, and in fact, it's an itch I'm starting to get up the guts to try to scratch IRL. But, what is it? This isn't bisexuality, is it? Is there a term for being sexually attracted to men only in the context of a group encounter involving a woman? Is this pansexuality? I need this info partly to know how to strike up a convo on the right app. I also need it to discuss with my wife. We are ethically non-monogamous, so the mere fact of having another sexual partner is not off the table. Still, this is a context we've never discussed, and I feel like I should raise it before I even attempt to act on it. She's definitely not interested in us being involved together in a group encounter, so I'd need to seek out another couple looking for the same thing, and want to make sure she's comfortable with it. For the record, it's a nice to have. I'm thinking there's a better than 50% chance that she'd be okay with me giving it a try but I'll take it off the table if it's a deal breaker for her. Signed, his eyes open.
0: So, this kind of strikes me as, like, male unicorning. Mm. Unicorns, it's a word for a bisexual partner who wants to get casually involved with a couple, a heterosexual couple, but usually when we say unicorn, we're thinking of a attractive, youthful woman, And I think since he's talking about couples, right, needing to seek out another couple, not trying to like go to an orgy or like put together a threesome from scratch, he might go on a more swinger inclusive platform. Um, I'm thinking, okay, Cupid or Field, and say, I am interested in being a unicorn.
1: I would love to know the status of male bisexuality or whatever you want to call it in swinging today, because, you know, obviously for a really long time, largely it was taboo as compared to women's sexual contact with women. I would assume that that has changed a little bit, and obviously in the greater world of consensual non-monogamy and polyamory. There does seem to be some kind of movement there with men sexual contact being more permissible. Um, but I'd be very curious because swingers in particular have been known to kind of ban that or that's just like something that like a lot of people just don't do or at least say that they don't do, you know. You know, not for nothing, but this experience that he's describing was like my gateway into being gay, not necessarily with porn, but just like with fantasy, whatever, like I would allow myself early on to fantasize about men as long as there was a woman present. That was like my excuse. That was my way of like saying, oh, I'm not gay because look, you know, to myself. I'm not saying that's what's happening here. With this guy, it, uh, he seems to have like a very good g- handle on what's going on, and he seems very much at ease with that, which I very much was not. But it it's reminded me a little bit of myself.
0: you know we we talk about labeling oneself in communication with others as this kind of like process where you have a headline and then you have like yeah. a couple bullet points, right? And then you have a lead. And then you get into the whole paragraph that's like, here's how I am under what conditions with which genders, generally speaking, and here's specifically what I like as far as physical interaction and like emotional tone of the room. Realistically, like most of the apps, they might have a heteroflexible option, but that might yeah. not be an option. He might have to go with bisexual. So it's about it's about approximating.
1: Totally. And, and it's about printing the fine print. You know, <clears throat> I'm interested in MMF threesomes, uh, not looking for a relationship with a man, etc. These are all things that can enter the fray of your profile. So I could not find... Terminology to match this person's situation, but I feel whenever I can't find something, I feel like I at least need to talk to an expert about it. And so there's this guy in the UK named Ryan Scotes, who uh, literally, there's a Daily Mail headline, The Man with a PhD in Threesomes. So I reached out to him after also reading a study of his from Sexualities uh, a few years ago called, I Don't Mind Watching Him Come, Heterosexual Men, Threesomes, and the Erosion of the One-Time Rule of Homosexuality. Uh, So I reached out to him to see maybe if he could help with the terminology or at least definitively tell us that no such term exists and talk a little bit more about threesomes. And so here's that conversation. Our letter writer is particularly concerned with this kind of classification designation, and I'm going to preemptively assume that you don't necessarily have a label for this specific kind of interest of of sex with another man only in the presence of another woman, despite it, you know, at least relating somewhat to your research.
4: Yeah, the letter it did not speak to a particular identity to me. Um, Now, that's not to say that there could not be something else going on, you know, maybe a sort of later in life exploring one's sexuality a bit more. Maybe there is some bisexuality in there. But what it made me think of more so was this idea of sexual fluidity. So this is the idea that our sexual fluidity can perhaps lead us to engage in sexual behaviours or situations that, We might not necessarily in regular circumstances. So, if we think about our sexual orientation, this is something which is fairly robust, and over time, you will kind of see an orientation to, you know, men or women or men and women. Our fluidity, however, depending on the environment, depending on the circumstances, the things that are sort of going on around you, that can lead someone to be interested in a particular person or even a particular type of sexual behaviour, but only given a particular circumstance. So in the letter, it's uh, a guy who's interested in having sex, at least in the presence, maybe with another guy in the context of a threesome. Now, the letter, it sounded like that was the only context in which they were interested in. And it didn't sound like they were necessarily got this kind of latent erotic interest in men. It sounded like it was a situation which allowed them to perhaps have that interest or maybe it's a situation themselves that they're finding sort of a bit erotic sort of something different maybe um not something they've tried before a bit out of their comfort zone a little bit taboo as well so there could be an element of sexual fantasy in there as well and i
1: thought Two, it could be just a matter of, like, this is the start of this guy's journey. One interest leads to another or opens the door for more things.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I've not seen it as much with men, but I've certainly seen it quite a bit with women that they are interested in threesomes as a means to explore their sexuality. And it's primarily because it's safer. They may be used to dealing with a guy and all of those bits and pieces, and that's, that's safe. And so if they're having sex with another woman, but also there's a guy there, it's a little bit easier. There's sexual scripts. There's like a a plot that they can fall back on if doing things with a woman or just being with a woman becomes a bit too much. There's a bit of a safety net for them there. In the paper, I thought that a really fascinating
1: point that you and your team made was that as we're seeing a greater societal acceptance of queerness mm. at the same time we're seeing an increased interest in these kind of group configurations particularly threesomes or whatever so a case like this makes sense in light of that kind of perfect storm you have less taboo on group sex and less taboo on queerness mm. and so you have more opportunity for both and at the same
4: time Absolutely. And this is something that I expand upon a bit in my book, Understanding Threesomes. So it's this idea that as we, and when I say we, I'm talking sort of general society and broadly Western society, as we become less homophobic, then men associating with what were considered kind of feminine or symbols of femininity then it allows them to broaden out what they are capable of doing, what they allow themselves to do without stigmatizing themselves, without stigmatizing other people. So if you look at some of the um, older research, and not even that much older research on uh, swingers, and you have them talking about, well, how do we do double penetration in a way that's kind of still going to keep this heteromasculinity and there's people talking about taping their balls back and other people being like well you just have to go for it and move to sort of uh, today's world and in that article you had guys who said oh yeah no I'd have sex with another man you know just to try it out and people would not judge others identity based on their behavior it was only when they kind of self-identified as being bi or being gay that that is what counted these young men, they'd almost expanded out what heterosexuality meant for them. And it could include same-sex sexual behaviors. So being straight no longer meant that you could only ever do things with women. Yeah. And there's a
1: term that comes up repeatedly in that specific paper, um, which is mostly straight. And I thought that insofar as any descriptor might actually apply to the writer that one is probably at least at this point the best bet
4: yeah i think that's not a bad shout it's really interesting when people are kind of offered up these new and alternative labels a lot of the time they do resonate with people so if you take a sample of people and you ask them are you gay are you straight are you bi?" you'll get your answers but then if you add in are you mostly gay are you mostly straight a lot of those people from the kind of far ends will actually move into that middle bit because it's an option that resonates with them. It resonates that perhaps they do have a 5% attraction towards the same sex or whatever it may be. But if those options and those ideas are not there, it's very difficult to kind of conceptualise them. And I think bisexuality, sometimes people are reluctant to align with this because a lot of people perhaps... Uh, incorrectly assume that bisexuality is about a 50-50 desire for men and women, both romantically and sexually. Whereas a more sort of liberal reading of bisexual is just, you have attractions to a whole range of people.
0: As far as talking to the wife, I think it's really simple. The last two sentences of what he wrote in his first paragraph, like... Watching two men have sex one-on-one doesn't do anything for me, but I've discovered male-male-female-bisexual threesomes to be mind-blowingly hot. And then adding, I'd like to pursue acting this out, like making this physically happen.
1: If they've gotten to the point where they're firmly, ethically non-monogamous, comfortably, ethically non-monogamous, this is certainly a conversation that can be attempted without torpedoing the relationship, you know? I don't think that he has anything really to worry about in terms of changing anything. It can be scary to reveal yourself, to reveal another part of yourself, part of yourself that, you know, despite this changing world, despite, you know, the findings of this study that I just mentioned, it can still be hard to admit this stuff, for people, especially when you have presented this idea of yourself as this one thing, you know, heterosexuality is so antithetical to queerness, because it is only about the one thing, whereas queerness is this huge palette of whatever, you know, potentially. So it can be quite a change, that's quite a revision of your identity. But I think you just take it slow, and you walk through it. And like, it doesn't mean you're going to you know, the pipeline of disclosure to the threesome can be as long as you need it to be. So it's just about staying patient and calm and explaining yourself. And if you're already ethically non-monogamous with your spouse, you've gotten like more than half the battle done because you have those tools to have that conversation.
0: Yeah, for sure. And just as far as labels, right? Pick the closest thing out of what's available. And then put a sentence that says not into one-on-one time with dudes. am very much looking for male, male, female threesomes with interaction between myself and the other man. And then just go, go from there because the point of the profile is to start the conversation.
1: Absolutely. And then after that, you fill it in. So let's do our next question.
2: Dear How to Do It, I'm a 30 year old straight woman with what I assumed was a high level of acceptance towards other people and their preferences. During a Zoom night in with friends from college, we got into talking about porn. I mentioned that porn does nothing for me, but I don't care if my spouse looks. I do, though, have three hard boundaries one, don't use it when I'm sleeping next to you. Two, no VR, first-person porn. It crosses a line for me, too immersive. And three, don't subscribe to, be in contact with, or spend money on a performer for chats or nudes. For me, that's just cheating and crossing the line completely. I'm in a closed, monogamous relationship. My spouse has previously been subscribed to, a performer, but agreed to my terms. Our relationship is strong. However, a friend of a friend has called me horrible names, saying I'm demeaning sex work, and stopping performers from being paid. I would ignore it, except now they're tagging me in social media, blasting me for having boundaries. Complicating this is that the friend is queer and has apparently done sex work in the past that I was unaware of until this night. I advocate for sex workers being paid for what they do. I would also prefer in my closed monogamous relationship that my partner have no transactional relationship with a sex worker. Are there any scripts or ideas for what I can say to them? Or is this one of those suck it up moments? Or am I actually the judgment conservative prude that they've called me signed, let me be.
0: And this is why we disclose at the top that I am a pornographer, Because sometimes these things are, like, a little close to home for me. Where I am starting from is, well, you're definitely conservative, and I think you're being judgmental, and you're part of the problem. And also, you're in a closed monogamous relationship, and your partner, it sounds like, has explicitly agreed to it being closed. They have agreed to not subscribe to performers, or be in contact with them, or chat with them, or buy personal nudes. And it's also not right for them to be harassed on social media over this, partially because they are not a public person. And whether it's, like, morally right for public people to be harassable online, we could talk about that for, like, weeks but the fact is private people have more legal right to privacy than i do and possibly you so it's like fuck you but also aw like
1: so yes i am inclined to take the side of the person who is getting dragged on social media for merely doing their best to navigate the world with some sense of comfort no matter how much that deviates from my own practices and beliefs. Like, if this person feels uncomfortable about this stuff, about pornography, about various kinds of pornography, maybe they should work through that. But in the meantime, they get to say, this is something that I want to engage with, and this is something I don't want to happen. And one of my biggest rules is defer to the most sensitive person in the room. So... I could only respect this person for their boundaries, and I don't respect the friend of a friend who doesn't seem to know this person particularly well jumping on it, exposing this person's beliefs and boundaries with, you know, the pithiness that social media requires, whipping people up against them. I think that's ultimately that behavior of like, I'm going to call you out because you're politics or just general beliefs deviate from mine and what I believe is right is kind of puritanical in its own right and in this particular case is kind of self-defeating?
0: Yeah, because the thing is, like, if your sexual tastes never include a certain kind of person, that's something to look at. So if... Your boundaries around commercial sex only include middlemen that are, yes, usually men, making money off saying, here's what time of day you show up. Here's what your face is going to look like. Here's what you're saying. Here's what the other person is saying. Here's who you're having sex with. Like, if your comfort zone is only sexual labor that is done like that and never sexual labor where the performer or worker has autonomy and is in charge of what they're doing in a really significant way and controls the way the product is released. Think about that. Just give it a long consider from that perspective and, you know, my hope is that that is a lot more effective (laughs) than blasting someone on social media. Because I feel for the friend of a friend, right? It can be completely maddening. And when you're struggling to survive and you have someone in front of you embodying a reason that you're doing financially less well than you need to be, like, yeah, you get really angry. But what the friend of a friend is doing is not likely to help. And I'm hoping that something I've said here might
1: Yes. Well, I was just going to say, look at how much more productive you sharing your experience in a calm and quite rational, easy to understand way is than it would be for you to like just get on Twitter and start tweeting about this person. I think this is largely a question of choosing the proper medium. And I think so often, these issues that come up would be so much better handled in an interpersonal communication. Now, if our letter writer was well known on social media, or even not, or just somebody who tweets a lot or tweets, and decided to take this issue and say, here's why I think OnlyFans shouldn't exist. Well, then she would be inviting this kind of backlash and would deserve it on a certain level. In a private interaction, in a group, when somebody else takes that and then blows it up and shares it with the world, with, you know, no input from the person who supposedly said all this stuff, that's the huge issue that I have. That's where I think, like, one person is out assholing the other, who might still be an asshole, (laughs) you know? The friend of a friend is kind of getting in their own way, I think.
0: Yeah, and... Regardless of all of it, we have a 30-year-old straight woman who is given no indication that she's anything other than a private person. Exactly. So this isn't fair.
1: Yes. And in terms of like the actual next steps, personally speaking, as somebody who has put myself in public a lot and has dealt with social media shittiness a lot... I don't negotiate with people who like pop off like that. You know what I mean? Like I just, I just feel like it's like, okay, you can do your thing. People can have whatever opinions they want about that thing that you're saying that I did, which I personally don't really often agree with the way that it is summarized by somebody else, but fine, whatever, this will pass uh, tomorrow. How much could you possibly have to say about, like, my taste or interest in porn or or whatever? You know what I mean? So I would be inclined to just ignore this and chalk that one up to somebody who doesn't necessarily communicate the way that I do. Therefore, that's a disconnect.
0: And, you know, in the future, phrasing it as, for me, that's cheating, maybe it would be more effective to say that is more intimate than I'm comfortable with. Totally. There's like definitely ways where if you're ever talking with a person that you do know has done sex work in the past, you can like be a little more gentle and that might prevent arriving at this point again while allowing the writer to be honest about their boundaries around this subject. But, like, this friend of a friend, it's not cool. It's not helpful.
1: It's not. And no matter how sort of righteous and, and, and no matter how much of a point this person has, which they obviously do, I, I think that they just pick the wrong way to express it. And look where we are. We're in an advice column trying to sort out somebody's life for them. Look, look what you led us to, friend of a friend. Yeah. Okay, that's all for now. But we're not done this week. On tomorrow's episode, just for Slate Plus members, we hear from a letter writer who's found out something devastating about her husband. To hear that discussion, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash
0: If you're in need of sex advice, you can write to howtodoit at slate.com slash howtodoit. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 347-640-4025 and we may use it on the show. Everything is anonymous and nothing is too weird or embarrassing.
1: Our show is produced by Chow 2. How to Do its editor is Jeffrey Bloomer. Our letter readers are Shasha Leonard and Benjamin Frisch. And if you've been loving the show, please rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.